Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and if you want to learn more about our church, look us up on Facebook or on our website at valleyviewfriendschurch.org. Well, today is Mother's Day, and I wanted to take a moment this morning before I get to the sermon to recognize the ladies in our lives. Mothers are of immeasurable importance to our lives. If you can, give your mother a call today or sit down with her. Tell her thank you and remind her that you love her. If you cannot do this, take some time and tell another family member about your mother or at least spend some time in prayer with God practicing gratitude, thanking him for the mother or the mothers in your life. Now I want to share a little lengthy portion of scripture this morning for Mother's Day. This is a scripture uh, for more than just mothers. It's for all the ladies. It's, It's really for everyone. And it comes from Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 31. I had a professor in my undergraduate studies, Dr. Souza, who called this passage Lady Wisdom. A wife of noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships that bring her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable profitable, and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate when he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Thank you to all the lady wisdoms in our lives. Our lives are better, sweeter, and richer thanks to you. Now, if you will permit me, to switch gears for the sermon. Today I want to look at a text from the Bible that rotates around three characters, Jesus, Simon the Pharisee, and an unnamed woman. And we are being asked a question in this text. We're, are we like the Pharisee, unaware of our need for Jesus, or are we like this unnamed woman, unashamedly aware of the forgiveness Jesus offers to us and deeply thankful for it? Which one are we like? Simon or the woman? 
I suggest most of us do not truly imitate the unnamed woman, and more of us are like Simon the Pharisee than we'd like to admit. Phariseeism is alive and well today. Do not fall into it. Instead, respond to Jesus with courage, humility, and gratitude. Let's take a moment and read uh, this story from the Gospel of Luke this morning. It's, it's, as I read this story, I'm just struck by the beauty of this story, this in powerful, intense moment as this woman comes and worships Jesus and shows gratitude, gratitude to him. It's just such a powerful story. And, and the contrast between the woman and Simon is so, so strong. Please take note of that as you hear these words today beginning in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him, as she stood behind him at his feet, Weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair and kissed them and poured perfume on them. Then the Pharisee, who had invited Jesus, saw this, and he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is. She is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him five hundred denarii, and the other fifty. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? And Simon replied, Well, I suppose the one with the bigger debt who was, that was forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not, not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little." Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let's take a moment and look at this scene. Simon the Pharisee has invited Jesus, the famous teacher, the one the crowds proclaim to be a prophet, to his home for dinner. Now, this sort of dinner is a little different from what you and I would have in our own home. Today, uh, for a nice dinner with guests, you'd probably prepare a lovely meal and serve your guests in the, in the dining room. Uh, they'd probably be seated at a table and chairs, and it would be a private affair. If it was a more casual meal or even a barbecue, uh, you might gather around the television and watch a movie or a sporting event to go along with the meal. But this dinner would be different. If you were invited to eat in someone's home in Jesus' day, this was a big deal. First and foremost, sharing a meal together meant that you uh, were that you supported uh, one another. That is to say, when you shared a meal with a person, 
you were making a public statement about who you were and what you believed about the person you dined with. You did not share a meal with a person of poor reputation because your reputation would be measured by your association with that person. Who you ate with mattered. And to this end, an Israelite would almost never go to the home of a non-Israelite. They didn't want to be seen together and have their reputations mixed. And a devout religious Israelite would be careful not to dine with anyone of questionable reputation. And this is what Simon the Pharisee was wrestling with. Jesus is a rising star among the people, a miracle worker, a dynamic teacher. Simon wants to be associated with great devotion to God, with someone who is, well, popular, famous. There's notoriety there. Yet Simon is conflicted because Jesus associates himself with those of poor reputation, and that could reflect badly on Simon. Now in Palestine, when such a meal like this was served, the food would be placed on a low table in the room, and all guests would have laid down on couches or mats that were arranged around the table. A person would lie on their side with their head at the table, probably pop propping themselves up on their elbow, and their feet would be pointed away from the table. So everybody's laying down for their meal with their head pointed to the table. Uh, dinner was served to the invited guests, but the dinner was open to the public. Anybody could come to watch and listen. Access was given to all to hear and see the honored guests, though only the invited guests would be served dinner. And this is how the sinful woman found herself at the feet of Jesus. Culture allowed her to be present during the meal to see Jesus. But there's a difference between being allowed and being welcome. Simon did not welcome this woman into the dinner. He judged her. Simon truly didn't welcome Jesus to the dinner. He went through the motions of the dinner for notoriety's sake. But Jesus welcomed both Simon and the woman into the presence of God. Simon could not allow himself to encounter God in such a way. The woman, nameless, welcomed God into her life and she was changed forever. I want to spend a few moments looking at Simon the Pharisee and this nameless woman. First, let's look at Simon. Simon looked like he had everything going the right way in his life. He is the character mentioned by name in the story. Not the woman. Simon is named by, by his name. The woman is unknown. He is wealthy. He is able to host a dinner and have Jesus over to his home. Simon is a Pharisee, and Pharisees were a group of Israelites devoted to following God's law as perfectly as possible. They prided themselves on holy living. The Pharisees knew the law of God inside and out and felt that they had the right understanding of just how to carry out all of God's commands. And to this end, Pharisees were bent on telling others how to live for God. They had it figured out and wanted others to join them. Pharisees meant well, but as we encounter them in the Bible, they fall victim to self-righteousness. The Pharisees were judgmental, and they were unkind to those who did not think the way that they did. And many of them strained too hard to do right for God, 
They strained so hard for that, to do right for God, that they failed to have any real sort of relationship with God. I want to warn you, Phariseeism is alive and well today, and we need to watch out that we do not become Pharisees ourselves. Let me give you a list of Pharisee flaws. Maybe you can recognize how they are alive and well today. Pharisees, number one, are overly certain that they are right. This results in a lack of humility, and it also results in a lack of kindness towards others. Number two, Pharisees become obsessed about appearances and notoriety. I'm convinced that this is ultimately why Simon invited Jesus over to his home. Jesus was the new exciting teacher, and it was important to be seen with him. But this did not translate into actually honoring Jesus. Simon wanted notoriety from Jesus, but was not genuine in giving honor to Jesus. He failed to wash Jesus' feet. This was a common kindness at the time. Uh, walking in sandals in the street uh, was a precarious thing. We don't often think of this, but the streets at this time in history, well, there were garbage. They the streets were where the garbage was dumped, and the streets were the place where the animals did their business. And yeah, there were open sewers in the streets. So, uh, helping a guest to clean their feet after a day's journey was a very important task. And Simon did not do this. Simon does not refresh Jesus with anointing perfume or even a kiss of welcome. Instead, he judges Jesus and weighs Jesus by who he lets near him, this sinful woman specifically. The third quality of Pharisees that we need to be aware of is they often become blind to their own faults. And it ties very closely to the fourth quality of Pharisees is that they obsess over the faults of others instead of blessing others. Simon has become blind to his own faults, and the result is that he stopped taking care of himself the way that he should, really living in a truly holy way before God. Uh, the Bible has a verse for this, becoming blind to your own faults and obsessing over the faults of others. It's in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 7, verse 5. Jesus says these words, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. In other words, take care of your own junk first before you complain about someone else's junk. In fact, what Jesus is really saying here is we're not even to complain about others' problems, but we're to help restore them. A fifth quality of Pharisees we should be avoiding is Phariseeism, Phariseeism is selfish instead of serving. A sixth quality, Pharisees become judgmental. This is very much evidenced by Simon as he thinks in his mind. The text tells us he says to himself or that he thinks to himself. He's not saying this to Jesus, but he presumes to know what kind of man Jesus is. If he knew the kind of woman that was touching his feet. But Jesus, Simon presumes to know what kind of man Jesus is, but Jesus knows what kind of man Simon is. Jesus speaks up and he addresses Simon's thoughts. What would Jesus say of the thoughts that you don't speak out loud? Seventh quality of a Pharisee. 
His Pharisees become blind to the fact that their zeal makes them a poor witness for God. Really, let's think about this for a moment. Does anybody read this story and go, wow, Simon was a really great man of God? No, no one reads this story like that. They, every time I read this story, I'm heartbroken for Simon because he is pushing people away from God. He, he would rather push this woman away from God because he doesn't want to associate with her than have her restored to God. He's not a good witness. And I suspect sometimes a modern-day Pharisee, well, I know modern-day Pharisees, can be very poor witnesses for God. An eighth quality of Pharisees is they put too much stock in their personal actions instead of putting stock in the efforts of God. Pharisees live and die by what they are certain about instead of living by grace. They feel that their worth is based on their ability to be good, and they fail to understand that their worth comes from God's grace for them, that they are a child of God. A ninth quality of Pharisees to be aware of, to avoid. Pharisees are so focused on the truth of God that they forget that God's truth should produce peace. Peace with yourself, with others, and especially with God. In this story, Jesus tells the woman to go in peace. Her life has been restored to God. Jesus is the peacemaker. Simon's not the peacemaker of this story. Jesus is. Simon's forgotten that God's truth makes peace. Have you been a peacemaker lately? Perhaps being cooped up with family has made you a little touchy and made you not very good at being a peacemaker. Dare I say it? Oh, I probably shouldn't, but I'll just say it. Has your social media behavior been about peacemaking lately? It seems like Pharisees like to live on Facebook. Well, if you got through this list thinking, yeah, I know someone like that. I, I know someone who's like who has these qualities of a Pharisee. You might have missed the point. We all are in danger of becoming Pharisees. This passage is a warning to us. Don't be like Simon the Pharisee. Be like the woman. So let's talk about her. For a moment. As Jesus reclines as a guest of honor at the table of Simon the Pharisee, a woman enters the room. She's allowed to be there, but as I said earlier, she's not welcome. She is nameless. That's an important detail. This alone tells us that Simon does not think much of her, and she is an outcast in her town. Luke tells us that she lived a sinful life. That is to say, her lifestyle is that is, is a sinful one. Uh, Perhaps she has been promiscuous. Perhaps she's an adulterer, maybe even a prostitute. Everybody knows that this woman, regardless of what she has done, this woman, this woman is bad news in their opinion. No one who is respectable in this town wants to be seen near her. And yet here she is. And it's a beautiful picture of love and devotion and worship. She stands at Jesus' feet and she weeps. And her tears, they fall on her feet. She weeps because she knows how deeply she needs the forgiveness of Jesus. She, she knows she needs that forgiveness so very much and that her life can only be whole because of this forgiveness. And so she weeps and those tears fall on his feet. And then she takes her hair and she dries his feet with it. And she anoints his feet with expensive perfume. 
Simon and his thoughts. He judges this woman, and he judges Jesus, but she does not care. This woman's only concern is honoring and thanking Jesus. She knows that she has had her debt of sin forgiven by Jesus. And Jesus confirms this by speaking aloud this forgiveness so that everyone can hear and tells her to go in peace. As I think about this woman in the story, I think for her, there was only one person in the room, Jesus. She might have been fearful of Simon. She might have been thinking, Simon's only going to give me so many minutes before he's going to kick me out of this house. But as I read the story, she's only focused on Jesus. And that reminds me that there are three qualities that this woman shows that, that reflect this intense devotion to worshiping Jesus. And the first quality is this. She is a woman of courage. Now, courage is an important quality, and, and many people don't really understand what courage is. There's a story that goes like this about a prisoner who was waiting, uh, awaiting his execution, and, and he was granted that privilege of what do you want your final meal to be, and, and he did something unusual. He ordered a large uh, portion of mushrooms to be cooked up, all the varieties you could possibly think of, of mushrooms, and, and finally the guard looked at him and said, why did you order all these mushrooms and absolutely nothing else to eat? And the prisoner said, well, I've always wanted to try mushrooms before, but I was always afraid to eat them thinking they might kill me. That's not courage. Waiting for the moment when that thing you're afraid of no longer is a danger, that's not courage. Eddie Rickenbacker says this, courage is doing what you are afraid to do. There can be no courage unless you are scared. Courage is certainly what this woman shows. She may be fearful of what Simon might do or what the town will do, but she sees only Jesus, and she goes to worship him. 1 Corinthians 16, verses uh, 13 and 14 tell us this. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Do everything in love. As Christians, we are called to live with a courage in our faith, to do everything in love. Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says this, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. This woman enters Simon's house with courage. She knows she'll be ridiculed. She knows that Simon's judgment and the town's judgment doesn't end with the evening meal. It will persist long afterwards. But she has courage to worship Jesus and to say thank you to him. And she does this because she knows that God is with her, Jesus is with her, and we as Christians need to have courage because we know that God is with us. How else does she show courage? Well, she lets the, her emotions get the better of her. Jesus says this woman has not stopped kissing his feet and wetting his feet with her tears since he entered the house. It's a tremendous show of emotion. And I'll not say you have to have an emotional response uh, to, to show your courage, but I think a lot of us would stop short because we would be embarrassed. We would uh, not uh, be motivated by courage. We'd, we'd, we'd come up short. And I'd say this woman shows her courage by the fact that she's oblivious to public opinion. This woman's courage is built on a resolve that public opinion means nothing to her. Only Jesus matters. 
I suspect that we do not imitate this woman very well because while we want to approach God with courage, we reach our limit far sooner than we'd like to admit. Do not let fear, shame, or public opinion keep you from drawing near to Christ. The second quality this woman shows is humility. I like to think that I like to think of humility in this way that it is realizing that you're not the most important person in the room or realizing that each person in the room is as worthwhile as you are. Certainly, Simon the Pharisee thought too much of his own importance. There's a story about a music student, a young American, who was uh, visiting the Beethoven Museum in Bonn. Uh, and, and the student became fascinated by the piano there that was on display, the piano with which Beethoven had composed, composed some of his greatest works. And she asked the museum guard if she could play just a few notes, a few bars on the piano. Uh, she accompanied this request with a lavish tip, so the guard agreed. And the girl went on to, to the piano, and she just tinkled out a few notes, the opening of the Moonlight Sonata. As she was leaving, she said to the guard, I suppose all the great pianists who come here want to play on that piano. And the guard shook his head and said, Padversky was here, a famous Polish um, pianist, uh, was here a few years ago, and he said he wasn't worthy to touch the piano. And this woman shows her humility and her willingness to touch and tend Jesus' feet. She was content with a menial task. So many people are upset unless they feel like they're accomplishing something big with their lives. Christians in the same way, we want to do big things for God, but this woman decides to offer her best to Jesus and that, that, and that moment means that it's a precious perfume, her tears, and her hair. How many of you have ever thought you want to offer your best to God and you automatically went and, and thought, you know what, that means I'm going to give Jesus my tears and my hair. She's humble in how she approaches Jesus. Are you willing to be humble and offer what you might think is something that is small and, and, and meaningless, knowing that it's of great worth? A third quality of this woman is that she has gratitude. Gratitude happens when we are aware of the value of a gift that we are given and how much we are blessed by it. This woman knows how precious Jesus' gift of forgiveness is. She is keenly aware of her shame. She is honest about herself and the demons of her past. This woman knows that she is broken, sinful, and that she has trespassed against God. I think we're a little bit more like Simon. We tend to think that we are just little sinners. We're trying to do all that we can to not feel so bad about our sin. When Jesus challenges Simon and tells a story of two debtors, he's trying to get Simon to understand how much he needs God's gift. There is value at staring ourselves into the mirror and being honest about our mess. Only when we see how bad we are can we realize how much we need help. Jesus or Simon has no idea how much he needs Jesus. He has no clue that he needs from Jesus the very same forgiveness that has been given to this woman. In other words, this woman understands the gift that Jesus has given her. Her impossible debt has been paid, and she knows just how badly she needs it, and she responds with a beautiful act of worship 
and love. So who are you like? Have you been more like Simon the Pharisee lately, judging others, being mad at others? Or are you like the nameless woman, keenly aware of your own sin and need for forgiveness? Will you respond with, to Jesus with courage, humility, and gratitude? Jesus gave this woman forgiveness. He makes her whole. He gives her peace. He can do that for you if you'd receive him. Let us pray. Lord, help us not to be Pharisees, not to be so certain about our own righteousness and judging the faults of others. Let us instead be all the more aware of how much we need the forgiveness of Jesus. Let us live with courage, humility, and gratitude. Let us be blessed with the peace of Christ and also help us to be peacemakers with others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Go with Jesus.